Welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello again, everybody, and thank you for joining us again this week on The Wonderful World of Wine. We're broadcasting on WFPR 102.9 FM here in Franklin, and our past episodes are always found online on SoundCloud or iTunes. How are you today, Kim? I'm doing great. Thanks, Mark. How are you? Everything is great. I feel like I haven't seen you seen you in such a long time. You see me on the web screen. That's right. I see you through my computer. Soon we'll be together in the same room talking to our listeners. But for now, we're still, thanks to technology, together again here. And I'm really looking forward to that day that we can get back together in our recording studio, record a few shows, bring them to you, our audience. Maybe we can pop open a bottle of pink Prosecco on that day or something. Have some wine. It's been a while. It's been a while. So our first story today, Kim, for our listeners was from a PR, PRN Newswire. And it's about another technology company called Winery Tail. It's an app, and it's tailored towards the millennials. And uh, Kim, another app, another technology in wine. What did you think? I knew you would love this one because this is the kind of thing that you just go <laughs> a little gaga over with these new concepts of information, not only because it's tech-based, but because it includes all those things that you like to see about a wine. You you do so much Googling of wines and trying to find that in-detail information about some of the wines that when we see things like this that are trying to bring that information or bring that experience directly to the consumer in one way or another, I always know that it's something that you're going to be very interested to learn a little bit more about. I'm going to surprise you, Kim. (gasps) You hate I've this? Been, I, I don't hate this. I love, love talking about this. I recently went through all my apps on my phone and I took off a ton oh. of apps because I just don't use them. And that was the first yeah. thing I asked you, do you use any wine apps? And, and do you think millennials are doing this? I don't know. I don't use a lot of wine apps. I used to use Vivino a lot, but I really don't anymore. And I would say the only one that I really use is probably Seller Tracker. But that is not something that I necessarily will use when I am out and about buying wine. I tend to use that more when I have something that I already own and I want to know, well, should I drink this now or should I hold this for you know two years, five years? But I honestly don't really have an understanding of what younger people are using as far as technology goes with trying to find out or use information in relation to wine. I really don't know. Yeah, I need to find I, some I younger not, friends and ask them. I have not seen the trend years, you know, as the years go on, I see less and less people in the wine aisle using a, an app and yeah. I'm seeing more and more younger people use it for beer. For beer, okay. Apps for beer, to track finding beers and profile of beers and less and less for wine. And and I'm thinking you hit on it early on. Everything I want to know about wine, I have to go and Google search it. And maybe this app, Winery Tale, 
has the solution for that because it's not an app where like the 19 crimes label where it's going to be a funny talking label thing. The app is created so to send you to get information about the wine that the winemaker selects to tell you. It could be nutrition information. It could be the technical sheet which is really what we Google search or I Google search the most. Right. It was a different approach to an app as well because they're selling to the wineries and it's based on how many times it's accessed. So if you go in a store and you scan something with this app, the winery has one hit and they pay so much per month for how many people use the app. Mm. So it's a so different approach. So it's like approach. a Google ad, like however much traffic you get. Yeah. Yeah, you scan it and you get a thousand. I think it was three thousand scans a month. It was like they had to pay a hundred dollars a month. The, the the winery, you, you know, you get the app for free, but the winery right. pays. So up to like twenty thousand scans a month, you pay for five hundred a month. So it's not that gimmicky app, which I think is not trending well. I don't see people buying nineteen crimes because they want to scan the labels. And and honestly, I hate to say this, but I don't see why people were buying all those things that take it home and run the app where you could just go to the store shelf mm-hmm. and play with the app. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and you could record it or whatever you wanted to do. So this is different. And I'm hoping it's going the direction where we talked in the past, Kim, where it's to give you more technical information. Right. And, and then back to your point about, I like geeky things. I'm thinking to myself, can't every winery just put a simple scannable code on their label to do the same thing? for free on their own and just directs you to their website, you know, simple QR code, scan this. I'll tell you everything you want to know about the wine that's not on the label. A lot of it has to do with, okay, who is the demographic that we're trying to hit and what is something that is going to be appealing for them from a marketing perspective to ultimately get them to be interested in and buy our product. So I actually think that your comment, Mark, about younger people in their 20s and 30s using that type of tech for beer, I feel like is very informative and not surprising at all. Because I don't think that younger folks have, you know, maybe don't have as much of an interest in delving that deeply into wine right now, whereas something like beer is still really trendy and interesting and so much more new variety for beers and got all the seltzers and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just not sure that there's all always this talk about how do we get the millennials to drink wine? So I don't think that anyone has really hit on it yet. And maybe they won't. I don't know. This has been something that's been bopping around in my brain for a little while. And they're trying all different things, you know, labels designed to get the younger generation, names, now apps. But I just don't know. I mean, we have to do more, get back to doing more events where we have a younger crowd. I'll speak for myself, a younger crowd to find out what they look for. What do they use these apps and and that type of thing? But what about when you were in the restaurant industry, Kim? Did you see people at their table using phones when they to, when they're looking at the wine list or f- shooting labels other than just taking the picture of the label? A little bit. Yeah, there was always, yeah. you know, there were always a few people that would bust out their phone to look stuff up. And honestly, that was of all ages. That wasn't just of younger people. I saw it more, I would say I saw that more with older folks who are a little bit more maybe interested in the nitty gritty about the wines and, you know, how does, how does this pair with this meal and things like that, as opposed to maybe somebody younger who is just looking to 
maybe experiment with something new or they find a favorite on the list. And so they, they're familiar with it. And so they already know it. So they don't have to look up that kind of information. But no, not as much, but it was certainly something that I wouldn't be surprised if I saw. And there's so many technologies out there that is trying to be sold to me as a retailer that, you know, this is what people are doing, you know, an app for your store, an app for the. I just don't see the value. As long as you're found somehow on the internet, I don't see how an app for anything else you know, puts you ahead or Yeah, when there's helps. just Google. Yeah. I, I, th I think that there is not a lot of understanding of what consumers want to know, frankly. Like, I don't know, marketing... <laughs> Yeah. marketing. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. No, I, 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 but I think that's the hard question. It's like, well, how can you market a particular item if you don't know what your audience is actually looking for? And you try to get that feedback all the time. You know, what do you want me to put things on the, the shelf talkers to help you understand this? To, to, should there be something I place on the bottle? In the past, I tried to say, this is what I think of the wine. After you taste it, send me back what you think about it. And, and that response or the people want to do that was very limited as well. So I think it's all, I don't know if it's a time thing for people or what, but I just don't see apps in wine trending like they used to be. I don't see people in the aisles with their phones out saying, I don't need help because I'm using Vivino or I'm yeah. using this app to see what they say. I don't care what you, you say as the person who tasted it and brought it in and put it on your shelf. I care what a million other people tell me about it. Right. So I don't see it. I didn't want to shock you or anything, but I, I like technology. <laughs> I like that it talks about technology. I just wish we understood what technology and wine people want to use or what, what can we yeah. do? You know? So I don't think that's the technology issue. I think that people are developing very interesting technology when it comes to these things. I think the bigger question is how can we use the technology that we already have or that we're creating to actually do the thing that we wanted to do, which is get people to buy more of our wine. Yeah. And I think speaking in general of technology, I think the younger wine consumers and educated people learning wine are adapting very well to other technologies as far as webinars and doing everything oh, yeah. online, correct? And I mean, especially so they, this year. They I mean, love with, technology. Yeah. But for this type of thing, and even with note-taking for wines, it always shocked me when I do all my wine-tasting notes on an app so I can track and remember everything. I'm shocked at how many people really don't do that and taste a ton of wine. I think it's hard, frankly, putting tasting, doing tasting notes on like a tablet or on your phone where you're yeah, typing you, it or I don't I rely. I mean, if you're tasting, how do you remember it all? I, I remember, you don't. And that's you know, a problem too, but it's a different problem. Yeah. Like I'm not going to stand there with my phone and type out a tasting but they, note. I, I but don't, they have the technology to help with that and they don't do it. And they're the avid wine people. So right. if they're not doing it, why would the everyday guy do it? So I think that's the same with these apps. You think the real, if they're not doing it for their own personal tasting note, why would they put it on Vivino and tell you what they thought of it? Right. So always interesting to figure out what's what's going on. We keep trying, Kim. And I think that's <laughs> this the is why you know we like to stay on top of what's uh, what's hip and happening. <laughs> yeah, which makes I mean, me not hip and happening by saying that. <laughs> always want we always want to learn more and and tell people more things that are going on. So, I mean, this is out there and we're just trying to figure it out for you. So,
You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and we are your hosts, Mark and Kim. You can find past episodes of our show on SoundCloud and iTunes. And for more information about Mark, please visit his website at franklinliquors.com. And for more information about myself, you can find me at vinitaswineworks.com. Welcome back to The Wonderful World of Wine, a little article, a little topic that's uh, close to my heart, as Mark always loves to point out, champagne, sparkling wine. And often we talk about wine glasses, and I know that we have spoken a little bit about how the shape of champagne glasses has been changing and is sort of one of those trendy things that every once in a while people decide that the shape of the champagne glass that they're using is not the right one anymore and move to something else and something new. And there uh, were some experiments that were going on at the Mum Champagne House to see how the different aspects of a glass really do change the uh, flavor and aroma of wine. So I thought this one was interesting. Every once in a while, these topics sort of pop up, you know, where people do interesting things with glassware and sensory experiences. And there's always very interesting feedback that comes back from them. Yeah. And of course, it's champagne related. So it, it jumped right to the top of our list for to talk to our listeners about. And interesting here is that they worked with neuroscientists that it's a study. So we talked in the past many times of these experiments where trying to figure out doing different things for your senses, right? To bring things. So mm -hmm. they developed two different style of glasses and put their product in and then got feedback from people tasting it to find out how the glass affected their perception of the wine. Correct, Kim? Is that Yes. Yeah. Okay. And it was two separate glasses and they were both very different from each other. Yeah. So the first glass was smooth and glossy on the outside and had more weight to it. And right. I think it was, was a purple color it was purple. as well. Yeah. It was like a, like a dark purple color, like not black. So it wasn't like one of those black glasses, but it had a, a purple um, tint to it. So they were saying when people held the heavier glass with say a rosé style sparkling champagne, it gave them a perception of richer red fruit than with a, if you had the same wine in a standard glass with lighter weighted glass. Mm -hmm. So I had to ask you, Kim, I've seen experiments in the past where they had black colored glasses. So they pour your wine or you're blindfolded when you get a wine. Right. Do I've seen the blindfolded feel, ones. Feel if you were blindfolded and were presented a, a wine, you could tell red versus white? I feel like I would be able to tell, but I don't know. Those tests that they run and they do these experiments and even people who have a lot of tasting experience can sometimes get tripped up with yeah, what they they're smelling us. and tasting because they can't see the color. Yeah, you can't see it. So, I mean, I think that's where they were going here too, is you can't see the the bubbles. You can't see. So tell us right away what you're you're tasting and right away the berry stands out, right? You're mm -hmm. not see you're not seeing the sparkling. You, your first impression is berry. So I always wanted to try that experiment with being blindfolded and yeah. see if you could you, I think you know, we should do that. I'm gonna get a group of people together once we can get you can. a group of like, people together. Yeah. And like you said, they, they say you can't and I don't see how you couldn't tell it's white or red. I know. But I mean that was kind well, of the You get to pour for half and I will pour for the other half so that we both can participate a little bit. But I think that would be a fascinating experiment to do. Yeah and you'd have to pour one red, one white and then was it glass A or glass B? What I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because the first thing we talk about is the sight of the wine and right away your brain is saying it's white. So mm -hmm. now you're eliminated to white grapes, right? So in this case, I would assume they didn't tell them they had rosé or blanc, right? When they were drinking the champagne, it didn't, I don't think it really mentioned. 
I think there so, was one that was a, I don't think it was a rosé, but I think it was a Blanc de Noir. So it was made with red grapes. So the, the glass too, they was a frosted glass too, mm -hmm. correct? So they were both, yes. you couldn't see it. You couldn't uh, get a really good look at it. Yeah, no. The other yeah. one, but I think that they were really trying to work too with the texture of the glass. So right. one was like more of a bumpy and then another one, the other one was smooth. So the second glass had, that's right, it had a bumpier, a grainier sensation mm -hmm. to the glass. And they put vintage champagne in that. And people found the, the wine to be more delicate, which to me is like it's vintage champagne. I mean, it's delicate anyway, correct? Right. I mean, then in a standing glass, what would you, you know, to me, I don't understand how people would receive that. But I mean, it's, it's a scientific thing they did. So what were you thinking when you saw the results in the by the glass? I guess I was thinking what I always think when I see these sorts of studies and that it always comes out very differently from what people are expecting to taste. And I even have even found this in blind tastings that there is there can be a really big difference between how you perceive something when you're either tasting it out of a different type of glass or you can't see what you're tasting or you don't know what you're tasting versus if you know and you think you know everything that's going on with it. So I think that perception, especially amongst people who have a lot of wine experience, that they know everything there that there is to know about maybe a particular wine or about how their own reaction is going to be to that wine. And then these kinds of studies usually throw all that kind of preconceived stuff out the window. So I always find these very, very interesting. So the color of the glass thing is interesting too, because you're not blindfolded. You can mm -hmm. still look down into the wine. Right. But the so color of the glass must be impacting. Your brain's thinking it's throwing you off a little bit. Or, right? or you know, if light is coming through the outside of the glass and it's coloring the liquid inside the glass. So if you have a purple glass and you have a white wine, the wine's going to look slightly purple, right? Yeah. So maybe then you're tricked into thinking you're drinking a red wine or a rosé. Now, it, personally, in your home, do you have any wine glasses that have any color to them or they're all clear? Um, I have little cordial glasses that are made of Venetian glass that are blue and green that we got when we were in Venice. Like my you don't, you don't use them. Though, do I use them for port so, or Madeira or something. I mean, they say it's like one of the biggest things. Never use. Don't use know, a color glass. Color yeah. glass when you're serving your wine and and that. But then all the experiments they they try it and because maybe we no one does it. You know, I mean, maybe. Do you do you have any funky pretty glasses that you use? You know, it's fun. My wife will buy birthday ones and St. Patrick's Day ones. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, I think when I'm just having an everyday glass of wine, I, I use them. <laughs> you know, I use them because I know what it is. It's an everyday, just want a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. But if I'm trying something I want to learn, then it's a, you know, has to be the, the right glass. Mm -hmm. I like that they keep playing these mind games with the wine. But to me, it's almost like, why are we messing people up on tasting it by diverting away the way you're supposed to taste it? It's scientific purposes, I guess, right? It's like when they scan people's brains when they're drinking to see what part of their brain they're using. Yeah. That type of thing. <laughs> but I mean, champagne. Oh, I think that there's a lot to be learned, though, from doing these kinds of things. I think it really does show us that our own idea of what something must be really does then impact how we perceive it. Yeah. But, but based on their product. So like the the red fruits came out more. So do you mm -hmm. think they're thinking we need to add more Pinot Noir to this 
champagne so they can really taste the red fruits in a in a regular glass? I mean, how do you think they're oh. using the information? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I guess it depends on is that a positive aspect of the wine? You know, yeah. D did people want more of that red fruit? Red fruit, And if they do, then maybe, yeah, that's a point in the direction of, oh, maybe that's a flavor profile that we should work a little bit more because this is something that people are finding to be delicious. Yeah. I was wondering if they would take it the negative way where, geez, they have to have it in the wrong style glass to really enjoy it. <laughs> you know, it's like the whole... that, must be, that would be very disappointing, wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> and you mentioned that the weight of the wine glass, and I was relating it to when I pick up a heavy weighted wine bottle, yeah. My first impression is that wine must be good because they put some money into the bottle, yep. right? So it might be the same thing with the glass. If you give me a heavy glass, wow, this is yeah. must be a good wine. It's, it's in a nice heavy glass. Yeah. So, but I mean, that kind of goes back to what we've been talking about with marketing, right? I mean, you can put really crummy wine in a very heavy bottle. And if you picked up that bottle and you're like, wow, you know, the label looks a certain way and the, you know, the weight of the bottle and you pour a glass and you taste it, that could completely trick you into right. thinking that this is a better wine be just because of the packaging. So let's talk more about the glass from a restaurant perspective. Mm. Whites, reds, and sparkling, you had three different glasses? Yes. And water, a different glass than Different glass than for wine. wine? Yep. Okay. So what's the thinking about the red glass versus the white glass for a restaurant. The red glass should be bigger. It's always a little bigger. Is that because yeah. the impression you want to give is that the red wine is a finer or heavier? Or what's, what's the thinking? That's a really good it? question. I don't know where the idea of a red wine needs to be in a bigger glass comes from, but you certainly see that in all of the glass manufacturers line up, lines up, right? Line, right. line ups. All Do the they... red wine glasses are bigger, but does it come from the desire to swirl your red wine more than you swirl your white wine? I know that I swirl my white just as much as I swirl my red. Is it, and or the is pore it just- The size is the same? The, the ounces is in the, the same. white yeah. is the same. Yeah. So you'd get, you know, six ounces of Pinot Noir or six ounces of, you know, Chardonnay. I, I don't, it doesn't make a difference what the wine is, but yeah, you get it in a bigger glass if it's red. I, I don't know if it's the swirling thing. I don't know if it's an aeration thing. I don't know if it's just that, you know, you generally are spending a little bit more money on your red wine. So therefore there's this unspoken desire to see it or hold it in a larger glass. I don't right. know what that, you know, the psychology behind that would be. Yeah. I was that's wondering, fascinating that's question. exactly what I was going to ask yeah. more on was if you put all red glasses on the table because you wanted to promote a red wine, do you think people would still gravitate towards the white if they knew there was no white glass on the table, that type of thing? I'm not sure that the consumer knows as much about which glass to use as the server does. Like, I think you could probably just use, honestly, in a lot of restaurants, just one size of wine glass and pour your reds or your yeah. whites in that. And but I, th I think it's a... um. I think it's a point of differentiation for better restaurants that they can just put out there like without even saying anything. You know, if you've got a bunch of people dining at a table, you've got a different size wine glass for a red and a different size wine glass for a white. It's like, oh, well, this must mean that these folks know what they're doing when it comes to wine. They have the expertise to know that you use different glassware. And they always set the table with the wine glasses on it. Um. Do you remember? Because this not is not in our no, not no? At, not at Legal's. See, we didn't because not everybody was going to get wine. 
but that's there there's also I, that psychological part of it right that if yeah, you have a wine glass on the table people might order wine exactly i always I, the few restaurants i talked to about this i always ask them why do you i have to first off why do i have to ask for the wine list <laughs> on the table second off when you give me the specials why not say it goes with this and that? Mm -hmm. And the third, why not just put a glass on the table? And now I know it's a different thing because of COVID, you, you don't want to have all that stuff out there. But why not throw it there? And when I sit down, I'm seeing a big glass or a multiple amount of glass. I'm thinking I'm going to have a, a glass of wine or a bottle of wine. Mm -hmm. It psychologically to me throws me in the wine mood. Yeah. I don't know and why. And I think there's a lot of that sort of research out there from a restaurant perspective that I haven't looked as much into. But I think that there is definitely been studies on the psychology of how you set the table and how you try to impart to your guests without even saying anything that, you know, now is the time for wine and that we know what we're talking about. Yeah. And then going the other way, you could honestly put a darker colored glass in a big one and serve inexpensive wines that people might love it. Yeah, exactly. Right? According to something right. like this. So. so yeah, and I think that that's where this sort of research is. It's not just fun, but it can actually have real world um, uses. So I, I thought you were going to give some insight towards like <laughs> secret corporate, you know, they tell you, this is what we're going to do to get the person to, to do this or not ask for bread, you know, that type of secret. <laughs> so there really isn't anything like that you feel? For um, I mean, I'm sure some restaurants do that. But also, you have to balance the cost of those wine glasses, not just the dollar cost of those wine glasses, but if every place setting is set with wine glasses and then they don't get used, you still have to wash them. Yeah, I was going to ask that. When they yeah. come and pick them up, are they just putting them back on the rack? You can't put them back on the rack? Generally, I no. Mean, years, ago, years ago, I, I thought they just picked them up and brought no. them to the next table. It's like the nope. silverware. When the silverware is not used... When you have no, you know, if they set for four, you sit two, they usually take yep. away. They're cleaning that. I've, I've seen, yeah, I've seen <laughs> kind of both, but I don't want to say yeah. anything about my four. No, no, no. I, I'm just curious, you know. Yeah. I was, nowadays, that's all the stuff everyone's going to think about. Right. But I'm sure in the past, it was just brought to the next mm -hmm. thing, right? Mm -hmm. when it's, and it also gets really expensive if you have like five different shapes of wine glasses as opposed to one shape or two shapes or three shapes. So Right. But technically we're told, you know, white should be in a white wine glass, red should be in a red wine glass, sparkling should be in a sparkling wine glass. But I don't think there's wine. any, you know, not that there's no need for it, but it's not, I think it's not the be all and end all of how that wine will taste with what you're serving in it. Yes, two wines that are the same wines served in two different glasses will taste slightly different, but- I'm kind of moving away from the, oh, you absolutely must drink this kind of wine in this kind of glass. You know, yes, I have lots of fun-shaped wine glasses around my house because obviously I just like to drink a lot of variety of wine, but there's nothing stopping me from drinking a whole variety of reds in my favorite shape of red wine glass. So I think that at least from my perspective, be a little bit less stuffy when it comes to the, uh, that sticking to the shape and sizes of the wine glasses. So as far, do you feel that way as well if you want to learn the varietal characteristics of a wine that you should just use the same wine? I mean, there's a standard in the, in the industry is a standard tasting glass. Right. But then they had this whole push years ago yeah. where you had to have a burgundy glass. You had I mean, I think that's more fun for consumption, but I don't think that it is necessary or even helpful 
when you are, when you need a wine glass as a tasting tool. So that's why like when I do my tastings and, and stuff, I use the exact same glass regardless of what I'm tasting. Yeah, It's a big glass. If, if it's white or if it's red or if it's dessert or if it's bubbles, it doesn't matter what it is. I use the same exact glass. And, and that was the whole theory behind the standard tasting glass that right. you know they designed. But I, a lot of times I'll bring wines home to sample and, and I'll look what I have a glass. And I say, well, geez, I, now I'm disappointed. I should have had that in this style glass to yeah. really get yeah. the experience. It kind of draws up bad tensions at home because I have one night I might have three different glasses <laughs> out and they don't fit in the dishwasher and then they break in the dishwasher. So, but I just wanted your feedback on that. So all about glasses. Thank you for joining us today and every week on The Wonderful World of Wine. We've been your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lenzi. You can find us every week on WFPR Public Radio in Franklin, Massachusetts. That's 102.9. And our past episodes are on SoundCloud and iTunes. And as always, you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Cheers. Wine.